This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Cubby House is a show about two cub-identifying guys exploring the big and hairy issues in and around the bear community. This program is designed for a mature audience. It may contain adult themes, sex and drug references, and of course, coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Monday, the 18th of February for the Cubby House. I'm Cookie. And I'm Kevin. And thank you very much to Amy from Kiss My Arts for another wonderful show. And now tonight, we have got some doom and gloom for you, unfortunately. Don't speak about our guests like that, Joe. Our Cookie. <laughs> Is that a hint as to who we might have on tonight? No idea what you're talking about. I'm sure, I'm sure. No, not uh, so much in who we've got on, but what we've actually got to talk about and uh mainly because it's around sci-fi ai sort of what's going to happen in the future what do we think is going to happen as opposed to we will predict what shall happen in the future Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh tonight on the show we start with my wonderful as usual king corner and then we've got a guest in who's a, a sci-fi fanatic of sorts himself. We have we, I think our title that we, we ended up leaning towards was Resident Sci-Fi Geek. Okay, so we'll introduce him a little bit later on in the show. And he'll be going through uh, the difference between predicted sci-fi of many years ago and current reality. And then later, um, the parameters of what AI could be and you know will it eventually have a, a purpose or a soul as some might ask um and then we've got uh, a very very special guest well special enough you, you might remember his voice many many moons ago yeah we've let him come back for a single single little article that he found interesting that i found interesting that i thought we might have some interesting discussion on jack is back in the studio and ah. he's talking to us about liquid life okay that'll be an interesting discussion topic i'm sure but for tonight on the media spheres we would like your answer to the question what do you think constitutes a soul want to have your say on the cubby house project contact us through facebook at facebook.com slash the cubby house the cubby house project on joy 94.9 the geek in residence why hello uh he needs to turn your mic on first yeah if it's that mic i'm referring to hello drew why hello 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 Fancy okay. seeing you in a place like this. <laughs> Fancy being invited into a place like this. Indeed. Don't encourage him. Okay, Drew, I'm going to give you the same instructions we give all our guests. You need to eat the microphone. Okay, I, the fact that you can fit the entire microphone in your mouth is good. We'll just keep some that in people. mind for some people, yes. But just get a little bit closer to it so our lovely audience can hear you. Well, you know, you've got to have some, have some fun with these things. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, well. All right, what have you got for us, Cookie? All right, I've got uh, seven. We'll start with six questions, see if we can hit the seventh question, of uh, which I'm going to pose to you, Kevin, and to you, Drew, based around concepts of technology and AI. 
oh, I'm so disadvantaged here. Maybe, maybe. I've picked these questions at random based on facts and figures on our current uh, understanding of science and technology. All right, right. So, so hit us with the questions and we'll try to answer and whoever gets the most points at the end wins a prize. <laughs> What's the prize? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got a prize, have you? No, but Drew's mouth has become <laughs> quite, quite an interesting thought to play with. Oh, lovely, charming. Please ask the questions now. I feel like I need a shower already. <laughs> oh, this All is right. only going to get better. I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, so uh, multiple choice questions here, gentlemen. Uh, what was the first use of the term robot? Was it a Czech playwright, Carl Capel, who coined the term in his 1921 play R.U.R.? Was it Isaac Asimov's 1950s collection of short stories i robot or the clockwork man in l frank Baum's 1914 wizard of oz sequel TikTok man of oz who was named robot i'm going with isaac asimov i'm going with number c you would both be incorrect oh. it was <laughs> this is a good start the term robot actually comes from the czech word forced laborer which in the play the robot was created chemically not mechanically so it was a uh, capel or carl capel's term for his play can I just stop for a second there and say I'm I, I'm I'm really impressed that you can actually pronounce that entire sentence. I'm you, getting you, better. You, you should get points for that. Well, you're teaching. You're making me force myself to do this more, <laughs> so I'm getting better here. Go. All right. Okay. Next question. I so, just want to know who coached him. Uh huh. The world's first mobile phone call was made by an employee of what well-known phone company? Was it A Nokia, B Motorola, or C Ericsson? It was Motorola. You are correct. In 1973, by Martin Copper made from new york city number three which was not considered one of three laws of robotics was it a a robot may not injure a human being through inaction allowing a human being to come to harm b a robot must obey orders given to them by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law or was it c a robot must work for the betterment of human condition C. C. Kevin, you were first. It is C. Would you know, happen to know the third law? Not off the top of my head. No, no, it is. The third law states that the robot must protect its own existence as long as such the protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Does that make sense to you? We'll go through that a little bit later. We yes. will indeed. Uh, number four. Claims the world's most expensive phone from a British jeweller, an iPhone 4 Diamond Rose Edition, would cost around how much? A, seven million pounds. B, three million pounds. Or C, five million pounds. Seven. Five. Uh, Drew, you are correct. It was valued at five million pounds. Trust you to know that. It was an iPhone encrusted hey. with five <laughs> five hundred individual flawless diamonds. It's not my fault I like my toys with bling. <laughs> Question five. The number one best-selling 20th century science fiction novel has been filmed twice now. What is its title and who wrote it? Was it A, June by Frank Herbert, B, 1984 by George Orwell, or C, The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells? My gentlemen, I'm afraid you are incorrect. It was A, June by Frank really? Herbert, which came in higher than H.D. Wells and with a series and gamut of games based on the concept. Really? It was unfortunately true. I never liked June. 
My I mum his accent. I thought he was talking about June as in some woman. No, oh, no. My mum absolutely loves it and made me watch it, but I, I couldn't get into it. I kind of got into it. It was the more the games that got me into it. But anyway, yeah. question. See, it was the blue glowing eyes that got me. Question six: Alex Rogan is the last what? A fire pilot, fighter pilot. Sorry. B starfighter or C Jedi. B. You are correct, Drew. It was Starfighter. And for those who remember the quote, Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zer and the Kodan Armada. Would you like to tempt yourselves for question seven? Yeah, give it to us quickly. The fear of being out of contact either by a phone being lost, out of juice, or out of signal range is called what? (laughs) (laughs) The story of my life. (laughs) Is it A, nomophobia, B, friggensophobia, or C, telephonia? Friggensophobia. You are incorrect, Kevin. I'm going with telephobia. You are also incorrect. (laughs) No mobile phonophobia is abbreviated to nomophobia. Nomophobia. That is the quiz for the Cubby House this week. And we'll be back a little later on in the show to continue talking a sci-fi with Drew. You're going to let us know who won? Because he won. <laughs> Drew, Drew just proved his statement there that he is a sci-fi geek in residence. Well done. I shall shake your hand, sir. Uh, and we'll be back in moments to talk with Kink Corner sections here on The Cubby House. Now, we have had a message on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Cubby House, which asks a very prevalent question which I would like to answer now while we're on air, and that is, what's happening with our podcast? Now, I would like to inform people who have been trying to get hold of our show, as well as everybody else's on Joy, uh, we are having problems with our server through CBAA, and we are on continual contact with them to try and work out what's going on, and we'll inform you when we have them back up until then we are potentially looking for alternatives if it can't be rectified shortly excellent but we do have a discussion topic for tonight's show and that is what do you think constitutes a soul and the ways you can get hold of us want to have your say on the cubby house project contact us through facebook at facebook.com forward slash the cubby house sms 0427 joy 949 Email at onair at joy.org.au Or use the Joy 94.9 iPhone app to listen in and send in your feedback. The Cubby House Project on Joy 94.9 Be careful what you're wearing. You never know what you're asking for here on the Kink Corner. And here on the Cubby House and the Kink Corner, we are going through some more fillers for you tonight. If you'd like to define anything you like in terms of what gets you on, here's some terms for you. Now, for those who are at Pride March, you might have heard the, the Bears chant, uh, say no to waxing. Well, this particular phobia goes, uh, philia, I should say, goes very well with that. And it's gynlopophilias. Here's Drew laughing. The first mistake I made. Okay, Drew, you you pronounce it. Go on, Gynolophilus. Gynolophilus. There do you, you go. Do you want to do it again into the mic so they can? Gynolophilus, which is the size or touch of pubic hair. For those who don't like theirs waxed. Uh, the next one is. Do you want to have a go at this one? Just because I'm having fun. No, 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 no. It? Don't be lazy. Do it yourself, <laughs> Cookie. And uh, erotropinophilia. Oh God. <laughs> Erotophonophilia. Thank you very much. It is a lust murder, if you ever enjoy reading those sorts of stories. So snuff, basically. Yeah, pre- pretty much. Yes. All right, next. 
Homely Ophelia. Am I right? Homelophilia. Thank you. Which is hearing or giving sermons. I'm just going to bring him in every kink corner now. So. All right. well, considering my current repertoire range. <laughs> it's not bad, Cookie. You do very well. So what is, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Drew, what is it again? Homelophilia. Homelophilia. No. Homo- no, I'm not going to try. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, which is uh, hearing or giving sermons. So, so the concept of hearing or, or giving sermons gets you off. Yeah, or you, know, you get turned on by it. So, basically, somebody who gets off on the sound of their own voice. No! Well, or, maybe. or being publicly spoken to, for instance. Uh, if you want to think of it those, those ways. Karanophilia? Am I right? Yeah, I'll let you get away with that one. Thank you. Uh, it is thunder and or lightning... Yes, Kevin, you, you kind of had a spark there. Okay, I'm not thunder and lightning, but I love being out in a storm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I, I enjoy it for other reasons, but not sexual. Like not notebook kind of, you know, romantic, swelling music, storm, and, uh, and that kind of thing, but I do enjoy it. Uh, macrogenitalism. Oh, that was very well done. Thank you very much. And if you enjoy uh, watching some of the If I look <laughs> like looking at, it is the... <laughs> Depiction of large genitals. Why am I not surprised that that's the only one you could get right? <laughs> it's not that bad. All right. Parthenophilia? Parthenophilia? Yes. Parthenophilia, if you want to go it that way. Um, it's otherwise the quite coined term um, popping one's cherry. It's sex with virgins. So there's another one for you. Pygmalionus. Pygmalionus. Which is rubbing one's body against a statue or mannequins. Is that anything to do with the <gasps> does description that, Pygmalion? Does that include um, blow-up kind? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, come on. You're supposed to be the expert. That, here, that, that could constitute, but I'm not... I don't know if it's a... St- I don't know. Are many statues blow-up? No, really? I'm, I'm no, more not thinking really. that's more like solid... I'm still stuck on the 80s movie Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, okay. That okay. And I'm, I, just as before we move on, I'm more thinking about that means someone out there is being aroused by weeping angels. Ooh. As long as they've got their eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And next one. Last one, I believe. Last one. And I'm going to see a few faces light up here. Scatterphilia. Does anybody have a want, want to take a guess without looking at the sheet what that actually means? I already, I already looked at the sheet, so I'll keep quiet. Okay. I've already seen the sheet, but I got it completely <laughs> wrong the first time around. I'm sure you did. As most people think, scats would refer to fecal matter. It is incorrect. In this reference, it's actually scats in terms of scatology or speaking in tongues, which is the philia is obscene phone calls. So for those who thought with their bums and not their mouths, there you go. That's such a wonderful turn of phrase, Cookie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And that's King Corner for this week. Now, if you'd like to get hold of us and answer the question that we're posing tonight, what do you think constitutes a soul? You can get hold of us via these means. Want to have your say on The Cubby House Project? Contact us through Facebook at facebook.com slash The Cubby House. The Cubby House Project on Joy 94.9. I'd like to point out, since the 80s and even beyond... 
you want to try that again, Cookie? Yeah, I'll see. Make make sure this switches on this right. time. Um, now, since the eighties and even beyond, stories through television and film have been more accurately depicted in technology advancing so far as to extend the human will into other forms, such as human-like robots, cyborgs, and other semi-organic constructs. One of the main plots, or even subplots, plot points, has been man versus machine. Can any of us think of a movie just straight off the top of the head where this would be the case? iRobot. Thank you. Kevin? Uh, the classic Matrix. Right. Uh, I'm thinking potentially Terminator. War Games. War Games. And I'm sure the list can continue on and on and on. Now, Drew, from your knowledge of what you've seen, what would be, for you, the best case scenario in terms of some of the stories you've seen AI depicted in? Mm, I mean, there's... There's plenty of stories out there from the 80s onwards of you know, computers going completely awry and man versus machine. Personally, I think it's more likely that we're going to end up with um, day-to-day tasks all being taken over by machinery to the point that people forget how to do you know, the, the, the silly things like wash their own dishes, wash their own clothes. Um, eventually, you know, we'll probably end up with the computers failing on us and then everybody going, oh, my God, how do I survive? So almost like a like Rosie from um, the Jetsons and then going into like an L.A. OK, I'm going a little bit more modern than that. The- sort of like Wally. Yes. Yeah. Yep, Wally would be a closer depiction of those sorts of things. Where there's the spaceship just, you know, travelling around and everything's being done for them. The catalyst for Wally, though, was more the case of people just got so lazy and not picking up and doing their own um, recycling, the, the world just got full of rubbish and they decided, stuff it, let's do let robots clean it up and we'll go have fun. So, again, so be it. Um, now, now that we've actually explained what the, the three laws were earlier in the show, um, do you think that that would be the most sound logic in terms of applying laws to potential AI robots and the like? I think it's probably the most sound logic and that you know, I've not really seen anything that beats those three laws. But I will interrupt for just a second. Just in case you did miss them, I'll go through the three laws for people again. So the first law is a robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. Mm-hmm. B, a robot or two, sorry, I should say. A robot must obey orders given to by a human being except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Mm-hmm. And the third law is... Uh, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Right. So, you reckon that's fairly sound? I think it's fairly sound. Um, I mean, I've not seen anything that that really trumps those three laws. Would you potentially add a fourth law in just off the top of your head? Hmm. Probably something about a robot must have fun along with the rest of everyone. But that's just me. Well, that's very nice of you, Drew. Yeah. Well, come on, you know. Robots are people too, in theory. Well, there's an argument in and of itself. Well, I think we might move to that argument in the next section. But um, given your opinions, which movies or TV series do you think makes the most impacts um, for the human race to kind of go, wow, we don't want to go there and maybe try and work around? Well, I think the classic one's got to be Skynet. From the I Terminator mean, series. From the Terminator series. Yep. Everybody has the whole, oh, my God, you know, never, ever let um, robots take over for fear of what they might do next. Um, from there, there's probably a matrix of, you know, computers and robots taking over and humans being put into a virtual reality where they don't actually realise that they're just being farmed. 
Kevin, would you have any ideas which you wouldn't want to see ever come to light? Um, I've watched a couple of different animes that uh, actually talk about this topic and it kind of relates to our discussion question as well. This concept that we will eventually build machines so complex that they will be virtually indistinguishable from humans to the level of soul. So to the argument of do machines or are machines capable of having souls? And then once Drew, as Drew stated, they should then be treated as we are treated exactly the same. Okay. We'll get to those discussions and more coming up later on in The Cubby House on Joy 94.9. We have a resident sci-fi geek, Drew, in the house to talk about AI concepts. Now, Kevin, you've just brought up an interesting concept in that... um, potentially we might get to the point of AIs being considered to have souls. And it's one that a lot of sci-fi can potentially start to pull out of and draw the line of what a mechanical being goes from just being a mechanical being to its own entity and having its own reality. And one way to look at that is what we're asking you tonight on Joy 94.9 is... What do you think constitutes a soul? And therefore, in that question, we want to know, at what point could a machine have a soul? If you'd like to get hold of us, you can SMS 0427-JOY949. You can email on air at joy.org.au. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cubby House. Or if you want to search Twitter, uh, you can search for The Cubby House or check out the hashtag hash CH project. Now, one of the stories which I've recently seen is Ghost in the Shell. Now, the works of that particular story serve as social commentary about humanity itself and the cybernization boundary between human and machine being defined as a ghost. So, a human would have a ghost. Um, and that's also defined in their consciousness so basically by this time you have a society that is very much into its cybertronics yes so you have cybernetic brains being put into humans or a human brain being put into a completely cybernetic body Mm. and uh, the term ghost hacking is being able to hack into that brain and control it remotely um, initially to cause crimes such as uh, murders and the like so uh, as that story develops there becomes a crossover of consciousness in terms of what is a machine and what is a human. And one of the things that the philosophy of artificial intelligence has been attempting to answer is, and this is something I'd like to pose one or two of these questions to you, can a machine act intelligently from your own opinion? Well, of course it can. Anything can act intelligently if you program it well enough. I mean, if you program anything with enough conditions of um, you know, if whatever scenario happens, do do this, then you know, anything can act intelligently. Can it re- and uh, can it react with emotion? Different story. Okay. Um, so the other question is posed. Well, no, because I mean, you've got to define what you you are calling intelligence, because the concept of learning. It's not only about what you actually program into the computer, but the concept that the computer can rewrite its own code to learn new rules and essentially create its own moral concept. Yes. Yes. And therefore, you know, could you develop an AI to think independently of itself? 
Um, another question that is posed is can a machine be ever have a mind mental states and consciousness in the same sense that humans do well you're oh you're treading on a whole lot of different issues here because the concept is how do you prove that a human is going through emotions how do you prove that a human is having thoughts or any conscious at all and i mean you can put measurement machines on to be able to measure thoughts or you can measure parts of the brain to be able to show this person is having this emotion so the concept is if you can replicate this in a machine is that machine actually having that emotion or not Mm. and and vis-a-vis to that is the human brain merely a computer well, you'd have to argue that you know it, the human brain is is a computer based on uh, well, just chemical reactions um, to pre-learned criteria. You know, you know that if you stick your finger and uh, above a candle, it's going to burn and it's going to hurt, hmm. and that you know, that's how you react to it. Similarly, with a computer, you could program it that. Um, placing a, a digit above a heat source is, is going to cause pain. Hmm. See, those are the, the basic concepts. I want my sort of artificial, artificial intelligence to have concepts of honour, of mercy, of um, the things that aren't tangible. Hmm. That's what I would define as the, 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 the way <laughs> of um, having something as consciousness, I suppose. It, yes. it goes beyond just rote learning, but goes... To something better. And, you know, the difference between, I suppose, good and evil, and at what point can those be interchangeable? No, good and evil, and as themselves, are human concepts are being created and are interchangeable across all series of events, and I'm not even going to go into that. But True, true. But that's, again, things that we've uh, been having a think about since we've been exposing ourselves to some of the AI-based stories uh, in the world today particularly through anime and the like. Thank you very much, Drew. You're going to be sticking around for the rest of the show? Sure, why not? I've got to sit back and have a good giggle at you at some point. (laughs) I thought you've had that already, but we're going to be introducing another cub to the mix after this song. We're going to be bringing Jack back into the studio to talk about Liquid Life. You're listening to The Cubby House on joy.org.joy, which you can check out on joy.org.au for the website. Cocky, I'm just going to reach over there and slap you. So, uh, just on the, the case of someone to slap. Uh, I know my favourite slapping toy came back in. I know. Hi, Jack. Hi, Cookie. Hi, Kevin. I'm back, baby. God help us all. Slap you already. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I let you in. I've given you the stipulations. By the way, thanks for inviting me to that hundredth episode. I really enjoyed listening to it from my car and not invited. Ironically, you actually (laughs) were invited and you turned it down. Is that so? Yep. I'm sure my invitation just got lost in the mail. Actually, it was an SMS. And you were invited and you said no. I didn't come here to talk about that. <laughs> you didn't. Jack, what did you come to talk about? Well, I actually was brought here today to, d- to contribute to your discussion about modernity and uh, modern life. And uh, you brought in a qualified sociologist. So thank you very much. You've brought in You've the right the person for the job. You've got the qualification now, haven't you? Yes. I do have the qualification. Thank all you. Right, all right. So- and, 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 sorry, just getting on to the fact that he's qualified a year ago 
What does that say? It took Jack? us a year to get him on. <laughs> no, he's been away for. Oh, we were long. away for six months as well. All right, all right, all right, all right. So anyway. it's, like, it's not about Jack. It's about. What, what did you come to talk to us about, Jack? I've come to talk to you all about a little concept called uh, liquid modernity. And it's actually an idea which was brought to the table by a sociologist called uh, Zygmunt Bauman. He uh, was born in 1925 and he was a Holocaust survivor and he's lived through quite a few experiences. Uh, but he's written a very prolific uh, body of work on this particular matter, spanning uh, about 20 volumes, and you've asked me to come in and summarise it in about four minutes. We so- set high <laughs> expectations, and we actually gave you six, maybe, if you're lucky. depends on how good you are. <laughs> so, right. go. All right. Well, you can ask me any questions if any of them come up. But oh, believe me, I will. But the way that uh, Zygmunt Bauman actually sort of describes uh, the 20th century is that, uh, for the most part of it, uh, modernity was described as uh, either being a solid modernity or a liquid modernity that uh, in the solid modernity which you could find sort of leading up and dis- uh, to about the 1980s and dissolving in the 1990s was the existence of very uh, structures that had a very significant meaning in a lot of people's lives. You've used the term modernity how many times and you don't ex- exactly know what it is for the most part. Can you quickly explain what it is, please? A modernity yes. that uh, generally when we think of modernity in this context, uh, it's just a time period that we're talking about as opposed to the sort of the classical era or the industrial revolution that we're talking sort of late modernity, liquid modernity, the last 20 years uh, Everything else is sort of a classical modernity. Okay. All right. Continue. So, uh, and sort of between the post-World War II to sort of running up into the 1990s, you've got these institutions like uh, the family, you've got the institution like the, the career, uh, like the university degree. But what we're finding in sort of the modern era is that all these uh, institutions which were binding people, they're defining people, are dissolving in a lot of ways, that they are losing their meaning. So, so what's replacing it? That's the thing, that uh, in this modern era, which we call the liquid era, is a, is a, it's a very fluid time. That, uh, that in this period, that these things that used to define a person... Uh, you did not sh- just say... Fl- oh. <laughs> give, give us something <laughs> to actually bite into, Jack. It's beca- we become nomadic in our lives. That these things that used to predefine us, mm. that we are uh, given the task of uh, trying to create our own meaning. So what it means is that these things that used to define us, like the family, that it doesn't quite in the same way, that we don't have the careers that span the entire life, that we have to act as agents of our own lives to create meaning and to create our futures. Does this go on to concepts such as sexuality and gender as well? Absolutely. That uh, You could say that the idea of the the heteronormative was a very sort of solid structure Mm -hmm. uh, for a great period of the, the 20th century. Uh, but uh, with a liquid modernity, it comes with a certain degree of freedom to it. That So liquid modernity basically talks about how you identify yourself and what you use to put labels on yourself or how you define yourself? I wouldn't say that it's quite that way. I'd say that uh, liquid modernity is when we become uh, nomads in our own lives. That uh, we Nomads can- in concept of? As in travellers, that we are not defined by these uh, big concepts anymore, but instead our lives are defined by little tiny chapters that are sewn together and we create our own meaning. Uh, But it also means that we have to act as agents, uh, that uh, the 
modern, the late modern person, the liquid person. I'm sorry, I'm feeling I'm feeling very You're exhausted. using liquid very often there, but continue. It means that uh, particular virtues uh, in a time of uncertainty uh, become quite strong. For example, the idea of uh, loyalty is something which is a weakness in a late modern age for to survive in this new modern era that what you need to do is you've got to be fast adapting you've got to have loose ties with people and you've got to be uh, very uh, open to change and go with the flow that it's your task to be the best you can be some some in terms of context for that is terms of jobs where the average person doesn't hold a job for any longer than say roughly four years so they constantly have to redevelop themselves in terms of a career or even households where people aren't buying households as much as they are renting and constantly having to move depending on where they need to live and um you know the, the financial burdens of uh, where they live exactly but it's uh right, we will get onto this a little bit more <laughs> i'm still going to get you jack i'm going to get you to define it clearly for me and we've got jack our resident and sociologist back in the studio and going through liquid logic yes, you've liquid give- life <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, let you, him do it you've given me the task of being concise and never ask a sociologist to be concise yeah, otherwise th- i'll write you a, a two thousand word reply all right so give me an example that would apply to me how does this liquid modernity apply to me well in a liquid era that we do have such a speed in which uh, everything is shared uh, for example we've got we're a very networked age that we're very connected uh, but also it's not just the internet it's also the movement of people it's also the movement of trade it's also the movement of goods so kevin during the song you described that you were the sort of person that would be uh, not particularly tied to any particular location that you would move to a particular place if it happened to have the right weather i require the right weather to live i don't like the heat that we're experiencing right now i become very liquid literally so Yes, so that, that's, that's the concept of nomadity that you're talking about. People just simply move locations, but they also shift their concepts of identity. Well, it's not just identity, but it's also things like values as well, that in order to sort of uh, manage in a world where you've got nothing for certain, that you've got to be able to uplift yourself, move yourself, recompose yourself, and... Uh, and uh, be able to sort of mould yourself into the most uh, appropriate situation or person you can be for that particular task. I have the sudden urge to ask you, is, are you trying to base the rise of the Ranger generation on this as well? <laughs> are you hoping that in liquid modernity it can happen? I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, back to the serious question. Quick, quick question. Um, in terms of, say, careers, um, a lot of people now aren't necessarily able to get the the full-time guaranteed position for you know the next 20 years we are indeed a very casualized workforce these days more and more often you see contracts only having a short lifespan such as 6 12 Mm. uh, 48 months um so is that something that kind of ties in with this concept of a, a liquid life well, absolutely, that the idea that you're going to be with a particular company uh, for your entire lifetime and they're going to take care of you back in your retirement is something that's a dinosaur in the past and fossilized and completely gone. That 
people don't necessarily even want that anymore that what they value in this time is the ability to pick themselves up to change and to adapt and uh, be able to set your own rules and that is a trait which is very uh, very strong within within liquid modernity something i'd like to push in just on to finishing up that um the concept of long service leave i think maybe perhaps should be scrapped for something of equal value if that's the case or at least lower the number of years that were required yes they did that a couple of years ago, actually. They went from 10 to 7, I think. Uh, pro, uh, the mm. way it works, a lot of companies um, are pro rata at 7, yeah. but yes. Well, th- I think that pretty much that was the principal governing idea of the, ha- the Howard policy of work choices, that it sort of was trying to anticipate a future economy where everybody was acting as an individual agent trying to define their own workplace conditions. However, what we did find, or at least some people argued, was that uh, that it's difficult that the power that people have to sort of create themselves and define their working conditions is disproportionate that uh, it depends on a whole lot of things not just necessarily your bargaining skills and the idea is to take control yourself and basically create your own future thank you very much jack for coming in and helping us define liquid life i thank you very much i hope to come into the future and explain other sociological concepts as equally as convolutedly (laughs) As in shorter period of time? <laughs> Give me four minutes, baby. I'm going to challenge you next time. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're listening to Cubby House on Joy 94.9. Your answer to the question we've been asking after this. Joy 94.9, you with the Cubby House the last few more minutes. Now, we've been asking you this show, what do you think constitutes a soul? We've had some quick, very good answers uh, from Anonymous. Soul is the part of the human spirit that is lodged in a body and has its own individuality. I like that one. Very nice. Daryl says, I think it's something at the bottom of your shoe. Ha ha, thank you. (laughs) Adam says, the term soul comes from the booby dialect, which makes you think you are an individual. We are that, but are after many similar things and states of minds um, and thank you very much for your suggestion as well but we do not take requests on this show no not uh, not this time of the night um, now Drew mm. we have one more question apparently sorry uh, just very very quickly over Twitter um, I'm going to try and pronounce this right Bayaran Ursus has actually written in saying something very lovely saying suffering and the hardship makes a soul enriched perspective and introspective makes a soul enlightened and love makes a soul sore wow Awesome. Thank you very much for all those responses. I have one question left for you, Drew, before we finish the show. What is the one most important piece of sex advice you would give your virgin self? Uh, now, this is an easy one. Can you remember to back then? Quiet, you. <laughs> um, the one most important piece of advice? Um, while silicon lube is fabulous stuff, it does not mix well with waterbeds. What? <laughs> Oh, no, I don't. I don't want to know. No, no, thank no, you. No, that, that's one that we definitely... Think leave. slip and slide with a pool about 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, thank you very much, Drew, for coming on and having a chat with us. Thank You're you. most welcome. And thank you, Jack. Thank you. And we'll be back about this same time next week. And the one thing we have missed all show, for those who have missed last week's show, missed the important news that... Kevin has one more hour to go for his birthday today. Aww. Let's sing him a song. No, I've managed to slip it through. Happy we don't have enough time. We don't have enough. Shut his mic down. Happy Shut his mic down. Thank you. So, let's wrap it up. Thank you very much. I'm Cookie. And I'm Kevin.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.